It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Friday, August 6th, slash Thursday, August 5th, hybrid edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Our schedule this week, all kinds of thrown off, because we spent two days in Miami Gardens at Baptist Health Training Facility, watching training camp Thursday, recording on Thursday afternoon. No practice today, chance to catch our breath. We go to Chicago next week, preseason game, about a week and a half away. Celebrate good times, come on. Excited to get things started here on Locked On Dolphins. On this episode, uh, we're going to be looking at the 2020 rookie draft class. And most specifically, of that group, what players we expect to take majors, or what, what players we are seeing take major steps forward, modest step forward, and no step forward, or in at least one player's situation, a step backwards. Uh, This is something that we've talked about pretty extensively throughout the course of the offseason is player progression is not linear, and the law of averages is going to come into play. The best teams in the NFL probably draft with like a 60%, 55% success rate, and the worst teams in the NFL draft with like a 45 to 48% success rate. And I would say the, the margin is probably closer than that. At the end of the day, drafting for volume is what is most important, in my opinion, because that sets the stage for you to outpace other teams with your rebuild because, again, law of averages, that proverbial coin toss. Miami had a massive draft class in 2020, and not all these guys are moving at the same pace. Not all these guys are improving at the same pace. But you now have more than a week of training camp to get an idea on where these players are. You knew where you wanted them to go. You knew what direction you hoped they would take. But now you have an idea of where exactly they are at. And that is what we are going to tackle today on the show, starting with Tua Tungvaloa, Miami Dolphins starting quarterback, second-year player. Uh, He's the one that the most pressure is on. As a starting quarterback, you can't help but be very encouraged by the, the throws, the confidence, Uh, the demeanor in camp and in press situations. So he's not immune to some of the critiques that are out there about him and that, you know, he does hold the football a little bit too long sometimes. But Russell Wilson still does that, which we talked about yesterday when I gave my initial practice recap. So if you're expecting a guy that's going to come in and – break the rules and still win as far as playing the position 
and is going to operate on a different plane of existence than everybody else. No, he's not there. But this is at least a moderate step forward from what we saw last year from Tua Tagovailoa. I had a chance to see it with my own eyes, so I can say that with confidence and, and with belief, and I'll say it with my chest. Tua Tagovailoa is taking at least a moderate step forward in 2021. And that is great news for a Dolphins team that needs him to do that if they're going to get double-digit wins again this year. And if they get double-digit wins again this year, you're expecting a playoff berth. Because, again, law of averages, if you win 10 games, uh, you're never the 8th seed in the AFC. Not in the, uh, not in the modern wildcard era. Except for last year, of course. So, get double-digit wins. Never mind the fact that wins the last time the Dolphins had consecutive double-digit win seasons. It's been nearly 20 years. You achieve that even with the extra game play. It will be the feather in the cap uh, to Brian Flores and Tua Tungvalo as a pairing. And, and I feel very confident in Tua's confidence as a passer, his belief in his arm. That is rejuvenating. And I think that's really going to help with that moderate step from Tua Ford. Austin Jackson, starting left tackle. I wish, I wish I could tell you that this was going to be a big step forward. I wish I could tell you it's going to be as equal of a step forward as what I expect from Tua Tagovailoa, which I would not classify as a gargantuan, mon- monumentous step forward. It's going to be a significant step forward, but not one that, that's going to put the Dolphins squarely in the Super Bowl conversation. I don't expect. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd, hope, I'd love to be wrong here. I think Austin Jackson is better. Uh, I, I think his identification of pressure situations and understanding his technique uh, is going to be better this year. But I don't necessarily think the, the body mastery and the muscle memory of those ap- in application are going to be where you'd ideally like them to be. Uh, I, I still think he's going to be prone to some struggles against more dynamic pass rushers and guys who, who can really attack him and, and drive him upfield or alternatively put their foot in the ground and come back across his face like those two-way go types. Uh, if you're athletic enough to do that with some semblance of some, some functional strength, I think you can really challenge Austin Jackson at least early on. Now, We'll see what it looks like by the end of the year. And it's tough for offensive linemen, right? Because it's not like you go out there, you run routes, you work on your timing. You got to do it with pads on. So the evolution of Austin Jackson might be more important to track from the beginning of the season to the end of the season than it is to track from the end of last season to the beginning of this season. I'm expecting a slight step forward for Austin Jackson in 2020, which is... uh, more than I could say, probably, for Noah Igbenogany, I, I promise it gets better. But I had a chance to see Noah practice, uh, of course, for two days this week. And he's getting stacked by the likes of Isaiah Ford vertically down the field. Which, when you're as good of an athlete, as dynamic of an athlete as Noah Igbenogany is, it should not happen. It should not happen. And I think the, the flag that's raised here is that amid Xavier Howard's 
ankle injury, however serious, however significant it actually is, the contract stand, all that kind of stuff. To me, it just feels like Miami was hoping somebody was going to take the job. And I'm glad I had a chance to go down to camp because if I hadn't had a chance to go down to camp, my tune would have been exactly the same. Which is, well, they drafted him in the first round, second-year players, still very raw. And all these things are true. And I'm not punting on Noah Igbenogany. I'm not calling him sunk cost or anything like that. Again, not every player's linear, not every player's progression is linear. But I didn't get the sense that this was a player that was ready to play and start and contribute at a high level. He's getting outpaced by Nick Needham. The Dolphins moved Javon Holland to the high post on Wednesday's practice and move Jason McCourty out to play corner. I'd probably put Noah behind both of them. Just based on a performance standpoint. And he's starting to press. You can see he, he's trying to make good things happen and make a play, but it's getting sloppy in pursuit. You know, Two-on-one tackling drill, trying to punch the ball out of somebody's hands like as the whistle's blowing or after the whistle's blowing. Getting a little too physical and grabby at the top of routes. He's trying to make something happen. But he, you could tell he's pressing a little bit. And, and what I think is important is the Dolphins have this depth and they also have Xavier Howard to, to kind of sort this out. Let's hope that it settles itself out with Xavier Howard so they don't find themselves in a spot where, oh, yeah, we've got all this depth, but you have nobody who could play anywhere near the caliber that Xavier Howard can. The hope, I'm sure, was, was Igbenogany would take that step forward. He has not. He's not ready as far as early on in camp. Uh, but what, what I'm always ready for is a Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are absolutely delicious. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calorie, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on other bars with nine different delicious flavors to choose from. So whether you're looking for a meal replacement, you're looking for something to grab and go, you're looking for something in your golf bag, you name it, Bilt Bar can be it. And right now you can visit BiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and save 15% off your next order. That's BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. There's a saying that I like to use in scouting. And that it is the, uh, the middle rounds of the money rounds. Rounds two, three, and four. If you can outpace your competition in that area you have a significant leg up relative to the competition for building a team. And the reason why I say that is obviously you get through picks 5, 18, and 30, and you're probably feeling pretty lukewarm through the first segment of today's show. Well, shoot, we got an intermediate step forward, a small step forward, and arguably no step forward at all. I'm sure Noah has gotten better at the technical stuff, so let's call it an intermediate step forward and two marginal steps forward. Here's where the Dolphins make up ground. Because I look at Robert Hunt. His transition to guard looked really good. 
He was one of those guys that was consistently getting push up front, consistently winning at the point of attack, consistently avoiding that quote-unquote knockback that Jerome Baker referred to with his press availability uh, earlier in the week. Robert Hunt inside at guard where he's protected on the outside and does not have to worry about speed rushers off the outside is going to be a plus quality starter along the offensive line. It might not immediately materialize. But my expectations are Robert Hunt is going to be a plus starter at the guard position by the end of 2021. And when you consider he was a slightly above average starter at right tackle, that's a significant step forward. I would not be surprised if he is the tone setter up front for the Dolphins. So go ahead and put me down as a big step forward for Robert Hunt. You are removing, naturally removing the most limiting compartment of his game, which is his ability to pass protect off the outside by moving him inside to guard. Most teams had him pegged as an interior offensive lineman, even though he played right tackle at Louisiana. And he looked the part at training camp, and that's the important thing for me. They put the pads on. I got two days of padded practices. Robert Hunt was the guy up front who I thought dictated most consistently to the opposition. You know who else looked really good? Raekwon Davis. Now, I don't think his step forward is going to be as big as Robert Hunt's because Davis, through the second half of the year last year, took uh, an intermediate step or a, a big step on his own, starting with the Rams game and moving forward from there. Do I think he's a 90% of your snaps kind of guy? No. Do I think he's a 75% of your snaps kind of guy? No. But I think Raekwon Davis can play 50 to 55% of your defensive snaps and be an absolute stalwart on the center. He's not the most flexible guy in the world. He's more of a straight line, straight ahead, uh, really physically stout, overwhelmingly powerful, super long arms, 330 pounds. True nose tackle. Uh, I don't know how much, you know, we got to see, and and it's very flexible once you get into the season and you start seeing what works and what doesn't. I remember this with the Dolphins last year. They they started started the season playing a ton of uh, cover one man, right? And they got eight up alive across the middle of the field and started transitioning to play more cover three as the season went. They also played a lot of bear and mint front which is three down linemen occupying the three interior offensive linemen. I don't know how much we're going to get of that this year from Raekwon and the Dolphins up front, but if they do, that's the ultimate setup for Davis to have dominant success and dictate because you're locking him in on a one-on-one matchup with the opposing center. If they go more even fronts or they go more under fronts and he's in kind of a, a either a three or a head up or a one alignment, Three, he's shaded on the outside shoulder of the guard. One, he's shaded on the uh, play side shoulder of the center. Or zero, he's he's lined head up on somebody. If you get more of those kinds of looks from Raekwon, if they choose to go more odd front but in under shifts or over and, and they're moving based on the strength of the formation more often or they want to go true four-man down, 
Um, that's, I think, where you could see perhaps a little bit more versatility and impact outside of playing true nose for Raekwon. So, but he was really good at just the true nose stuff towards the tail end of last year. He, he really dictated pace of play up front. So I'm putting Raekwon down for an intermediate step four. Uh, I think he's and he was arguably the most impressive within his own means of the Dolphins rookie class last year, which is important to note. So if you're keeping track at score, that's five picks through the first two rounds. You have one major step forward, two intermediate steps forward, Robert Hunt with the major step forward, Tungvaloa and Davis with the intermediate steps forward, and two marginal steps forward, Austin Jackson and Noe Benogany. Law of averages. You're, you're going to consistently get that kind of spread and distribution. It's just who's going to be who. J.T. O'Sullivan uses the phrase, uh, who's who in the zoo? And he talks about understanding uh, who is identifying as which players and whose pressure opportunities and who's the mic and all that kind of stuff when you're, you're filtering through information at the line of scrimmage as a quarterback or an offensive line. And for, for this exercise, it's who's who in the zoo is who's going to be the guys who take the big steps forward, who's going to be the guys to take the inter- intermediate steps forward, who's going to take the guys who take the moderate steps forward. Brandon Jones is a tough one to pick. And it's not an indictment of Brandon. It, it's what opportunities are you going to find? Because you do have so many, I don't want to say mouths to feed, but you have so many guys that you could see getting snaps in the nickel. Are you going to go big nickel and go two high safeties and have one of those linebackers prowling as a linebacker as the pseudo nickel defender? I don't know. Are you going to go with true nickel personnel and go man oh man across the board and play cover one or cover zero and just match personnel and go man to man and bring pressure? I don't know. I don't know what their trends are going to be, and I don't think they will until they see how it works when they get on the field. And I think, again, that's the value of them having multiple exposures to other teams to kind of use those as litmus tests. But I look at Brandon Jones. He is the third safety on the team. He is unquestionably going to have a significant role. How do I value that? He looks solid. Uh, when I saw him, it's it's just kind of the mystery and the unknown of, I don't think he's going to play single high. I think he's going to be like the, he's going to be the third safety on the team. And that value is, might be week to week. I'm anticipating whatever role he settles into, he will be a better player than he was last year. He, he looked really solid at camp this week when I was there. Put me down for an intermediate step forward for Brandon Jones. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. The sunshine and rainbows in the middle rounds 
ends right there because your next player is Solomon Kinley, uh, who looked... The range that you knew he had limited range last year, right, as far as an offensive lineman and the ability to get out in space or get out in front of plays or get up on the second level, it looked worse at camp, if I'm being completely honest. So I think that's why you're seeing Liam Eikenberg take snaps inside at guard, at left guard. And what that now does is creates a a challenging dynamic for the right tackle position. Uh, But I would not be counting on Solomon right now. Maybe he ends up dropping weight and getting back into playing shape and find some of that added range. And, you know, he can return to, to what his form was. But if your hope is that he returns to what he was last year, you've taken arguably a step back. So, this is this is the biggest regression that will be covered in this draft class. And but let's be honest, this was not a top 100 pick. Your expectation as a fan of any team across the NFL should not be to consistently pull starters on day 3. Specialists? Yes. Niche players? Yes. Rotational players? Absolutely. Quality depth, you got it. But you should not be expecting to pull starters, and and that expectation is really tough. If you're a fan of the Dolphins, and oh, I can't believe the Dolphins blew it and they traded first, traded up for Solomon Kinley, and he's now he's not taking any steps for. I mean, that's law of averages. That, that's the whole thing is you you have to try to outperform the law of averages. And law of averages says fourth round picks are pretty hit or miss. You'll find some gems, but you'll find plenty more stinkers. I guarantee of that. So through the first four rounds now, you've got a pretty good spread. You've got one major step forward, Robert Hunt. Two intermediate steps forward, Tua Tagovailoa, Raekwon Davis. Another intermediate step forward in Brandon Jones. You have two. Modest steps forward in Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany. And you have a step backwards in Solomon Kinley. We got four players left. One of these players, Curtis Weaver's off the Dolphins. So forget about it. Ain't going to happen. Blake Ferguson, long snapper. Sixth round pick. What do you, how do you want me to, to measure the performance of a long snapper? I'm going to call it a push. Uh, because he'll, the reps he's going to get are snapping the ball on punts, extra points, field goals, and running down on coverage unit as necessary uh, on punt team. I would expect he will continue to be a sturdy presence at his role. But I don't want to classify him as, oh, he's only going to take a m- small step forward because he was just fine at what he did last year and it's not a high-impact role. Call it a push. Which brings us to two guys, Jason Strobridge and Malcolm Perry. Jason Strobridge drafted 154th overall. Uh, looked pretty good, I'm going to be honest. He looked pretty good at camp. And he, he's never, I don't think, going to be a player who has a super high sack potential. He's a sturdy, again, your day three guys are typically going to be rotational depth pieces that can fill a specific individualized role. And Strobridge is physical, he's hard-nosed, 
He can line up in the B-gap when you need him to. He can stack offensive tackles and hold ground and get that quote-unquote knockback. So I'm expecting a fair step forward because he only played in eight games last year, right? It's not as though he was a guy who was persistently given snaps. He played 55 defensive snaps and 12 on special teams. I think this is a guy who has the opportunity to step into a frequent, consistent, rotational role up front behind Emmanuel Agba as that odd front, hand-in-the-dirt type defensive end with mild, modest pass rush ceiling. But I think he can play. He's just never going to be a super sexy player who goes out and gets 8 to 10 sacks a year. And that's okay. He was drafted in the fifth round. But I'm going to expect 300-plus snaps defensively from Jason Strobridge in the rotation this year. So put me down for an intermediate step forward, understanding you're never going to ask this guy to be a monster pass rush presence. If it's third down, he's probably not going to be on the field all that much. But nevertheless, versus what he was, Intermediate step forward. And that's the other thing to remember too here, right? Is everybody, based off the end of their rookie season, they're not all starting from the same place either. They all started relative to their expectations as draft picks when they came into the league, and now they have performed to some level and degree. The bar to get an intermediate step forward is not the same for Jason Strobridge as it is for Tua Tonga-Valoa or Raekwon Davis. But I think relative to what your perception is of that player, Intermediate step forward for Strobridge. Malcolm Perry's tough, man, because you watch him in the drills. He's lightning quick. He is a total pain to box in. He is a joystick. But he played quarterback in college for a triple option team. He didn't really run routes all that much. Played in nine games. He had three rushing attempts for five yards. He had nine receptions for 92. He was targeted 13 times. 97 yards for scrimmage, one touchdown on 12 touches. Grand scheme of things, he played 156 offensive snaps and seven special team snaps last year. It's not a very high-impact player. But I look at the opportunities that are going to be afforded to him, and I think he's probably going to have to try and latch onto the practice squad. And there's no shame in that when you consider the Dolphins' wide receiver room. And I can also think he's going to be a better player. I don't know if it's going to be that much bigger that it's noticeable, so therefore I'm going to put him down for a a, a modest step forward. But you could tell the natural athleticism is here to be a thing. It's just a question of how does he go about getting those opportunities. And I don't think it's going to be out of the backfield, and I don't think it's going to be a wide receiver, and I don't think it's going to be on special teams. So ultimately, you're kind of one of those odd man out types who you hope you you further refine your craft as a route runner throughout the course of this year, and you can get back in the saddle for 2022 and try and make a run at the roster then. So in all, this Miami Dolphins draft class, uh, the spread, a little bit of a bell curve. You have a couple of extremes on either end of the pole, but everybody else, they're kind of crammed in the middle here, right? Tua Tungvaloa, intermediate step forward. Austin Jackson, modest step forward. Noig Benogany, modest step forward. Robert Hunt, 
major step forward. Raekwon Davis, intermediate step forward. So now you got 2-2-1 as far as the spread if you're escalating. Brandon Jones, intermediate step forward. Solomon Kinley, step backwards. Jason Strobridge, intermediate step forward. Curtis Weaver, meh. Blake Ferguson, push. Malcolm Perry, modest step forward. That's my assessment based on the chance to see these guys for a couple of days in camp, get a good look at them, get a feel for how they performed, how they moved, how confident they were, their fundamentals. We'll see if expectations align once things go on for real and we play a preseason game and then another, and then we get some joint practices in the mix. So this evaluation window is like anything else. It's not, you can't hit the freeze frame at any given point and have instantaneous results. It's going to evolve. Some of these guys look to be really well aligned. Tua, Hunt, Davis, Jones. I think are really well aligned to make noticeable strides as starting football players or as football players for the Dolphins in 2021. Can't wait to see. Can't wait to see you guys back again tomorrow. We're dropping another... We're, we're going to drop a th- Saturday show on Friday afternoon. And what it is going to be is an updated 53-man roster projection based on the trip to camp. Had so much fun. We're going to do an extra show this week. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Do not miss it. Kyle Krabs fins up. Thanks, as always, for carving some time out of your day. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday slash the rest of your Friday. And I'll talk to you again on Friday afternoon for a bonus episode this week. Take care. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.